As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. listening to the prevailing faith broadcast a podcast in christ with pastor charles e brown of the prevailing faith bible church in monroe louisiana now here's your host pastor brown Well, greetings one and all. Welcome aboard. We thank God for you. Just want to take a moment to say and get this in your heart, in your spirit. Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. What a privilege it is to be amongst the many ones that get to celebrate the birth of our personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, for us, we celebrate him every day. But, you know, it's amazing that we get to share him with so many people that don't really even know the reason for the seasons. But we, God's people, get to join together with everyone else and saying, Merry, Merry Christmas. May this be a remarkable time to remember the ultimate sacrifice and the commitment that God made by sending his only begotten son into our lives. So once again, Merry Christmas and a very happy new year. And this is what we had, uh, this is what God gave us, Sunday. In 2020, in 2023, God's going to be there for you and me. For 2023, God's going to show up greatly on our behalf for you and me. For 2023, we're going to receive Great wisdom, knowledge, and understanding from God because we're connected to him in 2023. So I look forward to it. And I know some of you experiencing the loss of your loved ones through whatever, through death, through uh, broken relationships, incarceration, all kind of things and and I don't mean to sound insensitive to you because it, it brings fresh in me because um, my mother has been gone uh, two and a half years but it's still a fresh wound to me 
And so it was crazy. Even though my my mother-in-law uh, departed a few months before her, and it's like it's, it's still a fresh wound. But I know what God tells us in Exodus 14. He told us to move on, to move forward. And that's what we're going to do. We here, and we got to make our lives count. So I don't want you to sit there and dwell and, and listen. I always tell this to people because I got some dear friends, church members that um, experience at this time of the year. And um, I tell them, keep them alive. Don't stop talking about them. Let's keep sharing about the good times. I share a lot about my mother. Especially a lot in when I'm ministering the word. I share a lot about her because she meant so much to me. And I was such an abusive child to her that uh, I want to make sure that I keep her first and foremost in my life. And in my comments that uh, I'm trying to pay back for what I did to her. Because I had wrong thinking. But God has helped me, and now my thinking is a whole lot better. I still got some ways to go because some of y'all listen to my listen to our podcast, and you're like, "Well, you know, you need some help, brother." I'm not denying that at all. I need all the help I can get. I'm not an island. I want I'm one of His children who's trying to obey and honor God and do whatever He can. Because I, I thought about looking this up because I've heard some controversies about the word merry means to be cheerful or cheerfulness or to be joyous, have a joyous disposition or have a spirit of joy. And then the word Christmas, it represents the birth of our personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, it, you know, in Roman history and different histories, they try and say that the day started off as a pagan holiday. Listen, it doesn't matter what day he was born because if it was that significant, God would have had it written in the Bible. The most significant is he was born. And records prove that. And he was born as what God promised us. And so I celebrate him every day. And I love that God, I want God to continue to give me the spirit of giving. That I want to give. I want to give and share what great and mighty things God has done in my life. I want to be in that position that I can offer myself, offer the wisdom and the knowledge that God has did, did for my wife and myself because we wouldn't have made it this long had God not stepped in. And I'm thankful to him. And so what you hear, a lot of what I say, I always go back to God, and I'm not, not trying to put anybody down because I know they signed some recent this and recent that, that certain people can marry, same this, same that. Hey, if you want to do that, that's between you and God, because God the one made the rules. And if you don't believe that, that's on you. But I'm here to share what God has did for my marriage and my, my wife and I and our marriage. <clears throat> not trying to put you down because if God gave you choice to decide whether to obey him or not I'm gonna di- how, how am I going to disrespect that I don't have that kind of authority and you don't give it to me anyway So, but I'm going to share with you and that's all I'm trying to do is share what God has did for our marriage because I appreciate it 
Because one of the key things that we're going to talk about, I said Merry Christmas, but if you turn to 1 Corinthians 1 and 19, there's a very significant word in here. Now, I know it's talking about the church, but a lot of these these things that they're mentioning, it has to start in your H-O-M-E. That's right, your home. And he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and 19, God is faithful. Yes, he is. How do you know he's faithful? Because he made uh, hundreds of thousands of prophecies before Jesus came so you would know and recognize he did come. And God is faithful by whom ye are called. Listen to what he says. Call unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's called us to fellowship. Yes, we're the fellowship with God, but we also need to fellowship with other, others. And the first person that you should do the most fellowshipping with is your spouse. I know you got God. God got to be first. But then the next person that you need to learn how to fellowship with is God. You need to know how to have that relationship with God and your spouse. Because the word fellowship, it means a, um, a, a unity where you work together. And, I, and that's what God keeps dealing with me about this. He says, it's an inner working of a, of a good, godly marriage. You want to be in fellowship. You want to be in each other's presence. You want to be in association be, to participate with each other. You want to be able to do that spiritually, socially, and praise the Lord, physically. Amen. Yeah, you want to be in fellowship with your spouse. And God made that. And I understand. You may say, well, that's not what I want. That, that's true. Be up front with your spouse. And maybe save you some time. But what, what I'm trying to get you to hear, for those that want to do it God's way, you got to be willing. And this is what God keeps reminding me. In your relationship with God... God is never selfish towards you. He's willing to forgive you for every dumb, stupid thing you've done, every mistake you ever made. And then he's willing to love you. And if God is unselfish and you are a child of the living God, that same character should show up in you. And so what you have to approach your marriage to that your God-given spouse with unselfishness. Why? Because when I do everything God told me to do in my marriage, God has to do everything to take care of my marriage. Because as long as I obey him, he is, it, it puts the obligation on him. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be concerned because God keeps his word. To a thousand generations. What does that scripture start off with? Elohim is faithful. God is faithful. By whom ye are, were called unto fellowship. I'm called of God to fellowship with my wife. I'm calling God to fellowship with him. I put it in out of order. Let me say it slow. Y'all must have me nervous this evening. I'm called to fellowship with God. Then I'm called to fellowship with my wife. 
Then I'm called a fellowship with my children, a fellowship with my church family, fellowship with my workplace, my neighborhood. I'm called to fellowship. And for that to happen, I'm going to have to not be selfish. And that means that I'm willing to give or open up so I can be a part of what God is wanting to do through me. That's a good place to say amen. He says, because fellowship is a camaraderie where we have a, a social, I'm sorry, spiritual, a social, and a physical intimacy. Now, of course, a physical intimacy is only a lie between you and your wife, a husband and a wife. But it's an inner workings where God is inside of my marriage because God wants us to fellowship. He wants us to be on one accord with his word. And it has helped my wife and I so much is that we have different opinions. She, I love red beans. She likes rice and gravy. Well, you can get to the point where you argue vehemently about which is better. Because you got, uh, we mentioned it last week, you got to watch the little foxes. And if I'm going to be married, I got to quit being selfish. <laughs> I got to quit thinking about me and thinking about God and what my spouse needs from me to give to her that she can open up more and more to me. Because he warns you in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If you're a believer and your spouse is not, you're going to have some issues. Because there are going to come some times where some hard decisions got to be made. And the one that's a believer is going to have to make the decision. Because that's the one that's in tune with God. Now, don't misunderstand me. I know this. That some people are, they may be going to heaven, but they're crazy maddocks instead of uh, honor maddocks. In other words, they are so <laughs> spiritually prone that, they, that they're out of order. But God wants you to hear what he's saying. He wants you to tr- strive to work together by being equally yoked. Because he's saying, what fellowship, what unity can unbelievers have? But what am I going to do if I'm in a marriage and uh, my spouse doesn't believe? Well, I know this statement is primarily for before you fall in love and become betrothed. Because I've, I've heard people do it, you know, different ways. But it puts a lot of pressure on the relationship when you don't do it God's way. Because when you don't do it like God tells you to, it puts the pressure on because God can't help you. You're going to have adversarial obstacles and circumstances come against you even when you do everything God says. But it's more challenging when you know God says equally yoked and you marry somebody unequally yoked. My, my mother, I'm only going by what she told me because my father got killed when I was a year and a half. But it was her requirement that he had to be a, a committed person in a local church. And that was a commitment he had to make to her. And I don't know his motives. I was, you know, I was too young. I was, wasn't in the picture when they met and married. 
but he Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He wanted my mother, and my mother made the decision. You got to be in right standing with God. Same thing with my mother's sister. She saw my uncle. My uncle and my aunt, they were married for over 50 years. Because my aunt said no. I want him. I want, I'm willing to marry you, but you got to be a certain way in a certain relationship with Jesus Christ. And so my uncle made the decision to follow what my wife, what her, what my aunt believed in. Well, hey, look, I'm just telling you how it works. But he says, for what fellowship? This is what we're working on. What fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? Listen. My wife and I love each other dearly. We get along marvelously. But sometimes we don't agree. And I'm not talking about we physical or we call each other out our names. But we got a lot of things going on. And, um, and she'll get in her desires that this is God. And if I move too slow, she'll make it happen on certain things. And I'm like, okay. But I got to remember that God is our provider. And I got to remember that maybe she is hearing from God when I wasn't. Because that's happened. And it's not that we got it wrong or we fell out. But it's, you know, okay. She left to go get, go to the grocery store. I didn't want to go. But she got there and everything she needed was right there and the price was marvelously low. Well, she heard from God. I didn't. Or we're going somewhere and we have a lot to do with kids. And my wife would do all these. I mean, everybody is amazed what God would use her to do for the kids. And this is a statement she always reminds me of. That when she does something for children that you would call underprivileged, she's doing it for the child, not the parent. Because what we've noticed that to be, and known it to be true, that a lot of times people will blame the children for what the parent do. The children are children; they don't know how to. Uh, um, they don't know how to go get uh, uh, a job or. They don't know how to handle money. You know, it's one of the things I was talking to them about this morning. I was sharing with them. I said, you've got to force yourself to learn money. I don't need math. If you don't know math, they'll take your money. Because if you walk in the store and they tell you the item is $10, and you go in there, how much money do you need? 
$10, well, you got to figure taxes. You got to make sure that covers all the costs. And then you got to make sure that covers everything that you need to fulfill it because you got a beautiful skirt, a Givenchy or a um, Christian Dior skirt for $10, but you still going to need a blouse. <laughs> and then if it's cool, you need a jacket. So you got to think about the whole thing. And all I'm trying to get you to understand is that God thinks about the whole thing. And he says, what fellowship have righteousness and unrighteousness? So you got to learn. Let me tell you, it's difficult. Because when I would say I was backslidden for so many years, but I knew when my wife was right, I would go along, even though I did not want to. Yeah, that's true. Wasn't saved and didn't want to go along, but she was right. So I went along and it worked for my benefit. And he says, what communion, that word, that's the same words they use for fellowship. What fellowship is light and darkness? For a successful marriage, a successful, born again, supernaturally blessed marriage to work, you've got to learn to fellowship together. You got to learn not to be selfish against each other because it's going to come up. I can tell you now. <laughs> I was, I was raised an only child. My mother, I'm the only child my mother ever had. And, um, I've had a lot of things I had to overcome. Uh, food. When my mother made me a, a cake or a pie or whatever it was, and if it was in the refrigerator, I'm exaggerating, but if it was in there for 30 years, Nobody touched it. Well, here I got married. My wife came from a household of uh, a mother and a father and four kids. And if you left anything down that the others wanted, they ate it. <laughs> and we could have divorced from that because we had just gotten married and moved into our apartment, apartment together. And uh, I went off to work and... Uh, my mother gave me a pie or cake or something like that. And I worked all day. Now, my wife was off all day. And I, I think, yeah, she had a car. She had a car then, so she could have gone somewhere. But when I get home, I'm thinking about this particular uh, uh, sweet delicacy. And I look for it, and it's gone. <laughs> Instead of humbling herself, getting on her knees, I'm sorry. She said, I, I thought you didn't want it. <laughs> well, no, I didn't get a chance to want it because you ate it. <laughs> but anyway, we made it through that. That's all I'm trying to get you to hear. Bible basic English, 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. Do not keep company with those who have not faith or what is there is common between righteous. In other words, you and your spouse have to learn how to fellowship you gotta learn because if you don't learn how to fellowship it's gonna have a lot of unnecessary arguments and that can affect you spiritually emotionally socially and physically you don't want selfishness in your bedroom you don't want selfishness in your thought processes you know, because um, I mentioned it before, we keep separate accounts, but she has access to mine if she wants it. But we do that because when we first got married, 
It was just too much, especially when those debit cards came out. She would write a check or I would write a check or she would use a debit card or I would use a debit card and would not tell me. And then the money was coming up short. Then I'm like, okay. And then arguments can brood out of that. But instead, look, you have this account. I got this account. If you want access to this, you're welcome to it. You can look at it. doesn't matter to me. But we, you're going to be accountable for that one that you use. And I'm not going to write out of that one. And you're not going to write out of this one. But well, you're welcome to see it. Because we have to find a place where we fellowship together. Because it's important for a healthy, godly marriage to make every effort to be on one accord with each other. Because you're going to have obstacles. You're going to have circumstances. You're going to have foolishness going to try and stop you from fellowship. But God doesn't want that to happen to you, neither do I. And I'm just telling you how I had to learn. Because my wife, my wife um, can say something that might tick me off. Well, I got to learn. I got to remember that's not her heart. It may have ticked me off because I heard it wrong or I did it wrong. She told me to move something. I left it on the floor for 20 years. And she said, I've been telling you to move it. <laughs> and I didn't. Second Corinthians chapter uh, 6 verse 14, complete English version. Don't be tied up as an e equal partners with people who don't believe. You need to believe God has brought you together. You need to believe God can keep you together. You need to believe God can teach you how to be in fellowship. Because it's important for marriage to have supernatural fellowship. What does righteousness share with that which is outside the law? What relationship does light have with darkness? Light will always overshadow darkness. And that's one of the things that you're going to have a real problem with if one of you is more in tune to the things of God than the other person. Because they're going to sound, they're going to sound bright because they're saying the word. That's what drew me back to God. You know, uh, losing my kids, you know, thinking about that. But what, what got me was I could hear my wife. I believe it was her sister she was talking to. And they were talking a whole nother language. And I became, I became a little jealous of it. Because they kept talking about the Bible. And I thought I was okay. I thought I was going to heaven. But I didn't know God wanted me to know as much about him as I, my little heart can take. He wants to fill me. That's what he talks about. Filling me till I, till I overflow. Filling me that all I can't do, I can't sit still. I can't stop doing what I'm doing because I want to share, thus saith the Lord. And that's what I do. I want to share. I'm praying all the time. How can I share? What can I share what God has done? I don't want to insult you, but I do want to inform you. I don't want to discourage you, but I do want to encourage you. Because God has a way of helping you be who he called you to be. God is faithful. He's called us to fellowship. You should fellowship with God and you most certainly should fellowship with your spouse. 
New Century Version, 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. You are not the same as those who do not believe. And so we believe, so we, we should be able to work it out. When a distraction or when an when a, a, a upsetting circumstance comes into our place, we should be able to go to God and pray it out. And that's, that's what God wants us to do. Let him in. Let him be the Holy Ghost referee. Yes, Lord. Let him be the settler. If there's a conflict, let him deal with it. Maybe you should say, I'm sorry. Maybe you should say, I'm selfish. And I ask your forgiveness for being selfish in our relationship. Because he says, so do not join yourselves to them who don't believe. Good and bad do not belong together. Light and darkness cannot share together. Well, I want my marriage to share. So we have to have a, we have to have a common goal. We have to have a common place that we go to to settle all discrepancies, arguments, everything. And that's the word of God. When the word of God tells me, uh, forgive and I shall be forgiven. The word of God tells me that love is unselfish. Don't think about your needs. Think about the needs of others. Why? Because God promises to take care of you if you take care of one, his others. Because he says in that scripture, uh, Luke 6 and uh, 37. Let me look at it. I got it in my notes. Because we went over this last week. It's in my notes. Let me look just a little bit further because it's not showing up. But I know it's in my notes from last Thursday, last Friday. He says, Luke 6 and 37, forgive and ye shall be forgiven. This is spiritual talk. This is not normal. This is only coming from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because I was listening to some of Dr. King's uh, speeches from many, many years ago. And one of the ones he said that really, really uh, he said this extreme materialism scientific progress is amazing, good stuff, cars, trains, all like that. But scientific power can outrun moral power. And what we end up with guided missiles and misguided men. He says scientific power can outrun moral power. And when you talk about the world, we're talking about moral power. And he's saying that, and this is what happens can happen in a marriage. You wanna uh you wanna do everything you see on TV. And some of that stuff is out of line. Totally out of line. And then I don't know why I've asked my more technically savvy people. Because I got some trash keep coming on. I don't want to see no naughty nothing. I don't want to see that junk. Because one, all you want is my money. You don't want a relationship with me. And I'm not going to give my money to watch you do some foolishness on, on the internet. I Hey, look, I'm just fortunate. I've never been attracted to porn. Never have. Just, it just doesn't do it for me. Because uh, I don't like being gamed. 
And that's what I think about it more than anything. And yeah, and so I stay away from it. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As much as I can, but then when, even on regular TV, they got a little porn. I had to turn that off, too. Because it creates ideas and desires that I don't want turned on in me. I'm just telling you the truth. New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? Well, God, I want righteousness. So if I got to change the way I am, I want to do what is right. Because that's what righteousness really means, being in right standing with God, doing what is right for your marriage. Because if I do what is right standing for my marriage, I see my, my dearest friend in the ministry, Pastor Dennis Stephen Hamilton, all the way in beautiful, sunny California. God bless you, my brother. Welcome you for coming on in. Merry Christmas to you and your family. But 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 14, New Living Translation. He's telling you, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? And those of you who are in a marriage, that scripture is not telling you to get out of your marriage. That's telling you what to do before you fall in love and you marry that person. But if you are in a marriage and your spouse is unrighteous, the Bible says you can cover that spouse. But you also need to find God's word and his wisdom on how to deal with the unbelieving spouse so you don't run them off. That you win them and not destroy them. Because that's what God told you to do. He told you to win the lost. He didn't tell you to, tell you to destroy them. He said win them. And that's a whole different uh, uh, method than trying to make them do it. No, you got to win them. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Going to verse 1. Now this is from the New Living Translation. We're looking for fellowship. We're looking for community where we commune with each other. God called us to fellowship with him, but you also need to fellowship with your spouse. Thank God for your church family. Thank God for your natural family. Because I try to teach that to people. People don't understand this, and I know this. Um, I always wanted siblings. always did. But I'm the only child my mother and father ever had. So when I found my wife and she had siblings, I embraced them. I didn't run. I, I embraced them because they're my brothers and sisters. We may not talk every day, but I got love for them all the way through. I mean, because my wife is more vocal than I am. But we got, I got great love for them. And as far as I can remember, I don't think we ever had a disagreement. We did. It's been so long, I don't remember. But uh, that's because 
I'm mature enough to understand. They grown, I'm grown. They were minors when I met them. But uh, I decided to be a part of this family. So being a part of this family means I got to figure out a way to fellowship with my family. With my natural family, my spiritual family, my married family, my church family. Because... I don't really get into arguments with people anymore. Well, one, I know why, because if, if I do, I'm going to end up saying something I don't mean or end up doing something I have no business. So I do my best to curtail it. I mean, we've had disagreement with people, and my point is to learn how to hear them out. Because they could be right and I'm wrong. Because sometimes, because I deal with kids. Sometimes they won't talk to me because I'm going to keep talking to them. And I'm going to keep listening, trying to get them to see that what they're doing is in error. I used to do it. I did it with my children and raised them up. I didn't persecute them. I just talked to them. I just talked to them until they pass out. <laughs> and they didn't want to talk about it anymore. See, man, I did that with somebody a week or two ago. I said, and they, uh, I said, let me ask you this. Are you proud of the way you responded to that? It took a while, and the young lady said no. I said, because, see, that's what you got to work on. If you don't like the way you responded, then you got to learn to develop a way that you don't lose character. Because you're too pretty, you're too smart, you're too loving to put yourself in an environment where you lose character. And you say stuff, and listen. And these people, what, we got elementary, junior high. You know, you say you're going to stay friends, but it's unlikely. Because I have some of my classmates, they've been friends since, oh my God, I want to say elementary school. And they're still very close. I, I, You know, I don't have that problem. I just don't. I know where one of my friends, I keep saying I'm going to call him because I'm going to be in town next this week. Uh, we've known each other since first grade and we little Facebook friends and matter of fact he's closer to my cousin than me but I need to call him just talk to him and you know we, we'll, we'll, we'll communicate because I'm not shook his hand in oh God hundreds of years but trying to get people to understand God wants you to fellowship with him and take that same desire to fellowship with your spouse because y'all got to get along. Or else you could be pulling against each other instead of pulling with each other. When, t- when it's time to fellowship, it's fellowship under his word, under his leadership. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, New Living Translation. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Two, they are being tested by many troubles. Sounds like marriage to me. There's no way you can be married without being tested. You start thinking about if I should have, could have, would have. You got to run that, that junk off. That's nothing but trash. You married her, you married him, run all that off. Now, if they cheat on you or they get drug addicted or alcohol addicted or substance abuse or run through all that, that's a different story. But don't end your relationship because 
she likes rice and gravy and you like red beans and rice. Sounds stupid, but if you don't learn how to fellowship with God and with each other, the simplest thing will come in. Because that's what they tell me about uh, um, uh, oysters and clams. It's a grain of sand that gets inside the shell. And it's an adjutant. It's aggravating to it. And so what the clam or the oyster is trying to do is really get it out the shell. But because it keeps working on it, that thing that agitates them turns into a valuable pearl. And so what God is saying is, learn how to fellowship with God and with your spouse. And it'll bleed into your children. You know, we work with we work with our son. I mean, directly. He's a grown man, a very smart man, and a very passionate man. And sometimes we get on the edge a little tad, a little bit, because we're working together. And I got I got to respect him, and I also want him to respect me. He says, and they've been tested by many troubles. You're going to be tested. That's the only way you know how strong you really are. If you don't get tested, you won't know what you know. And your marriage is going to be tested. And you got to make a decision. I come what may, we are going to fellowship with God and we're going to fellowship with each other. Because a lot of times when we're driving together, we don't really like to talk outside the the vehicle, we just talk to each other. When we're going somewhere, you know, going on a travel or whatever, and that's just a time that we fellowship because when we get home, one may want to take a nap, another may want to talk to a, a relative or whatever, just different things get in the way. But when we're driving together, that's when we really fellowship. And they are being tested by many. By many troubles. And they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy. This is what you got to remember. I'm filled with abundant joy. Because I'm married to my wife. I'm sorry I said it incorrectly father. Let me, let me correct that. I'm filled with abundant joy. Because Jesus Christ lives in me. And God has taught me to fellowship with my wife. So I have that same joy with her. In fellowship, which has overflowed in in rich generosity. That generosity means that I give considerably to my wife, and uh, and with my wife is you know she likes big gifts, but it's not always the big gifts; it's the small things. My sister-in-law, we try to get her to go commercial, but she just she doesn't have the time. But she makes these beautiful jewelries. And she made some for my wife, but, you know, wearing tear a few years ago. And so I sent her the remnant of what they had, and I sent her a little extra. And I didn't tell my wife, but my sister-in-law called <laughs> yesterday, and we was in the truck, and my wife could see her name, so I knew it. I, the gig was up. But I let her know. I didn't tell my wife a thing. I just went and quietly got the pieces, contacted my my sister-in-law, and she made some beautiful bracelets that we're going to pick up here in a few days because 
Those are the things I know my wife likes. And it doesn't cost me as much as you would think. I didn't have to spend $40,000 or $50,000. It's the little things. It's showing appreciation. Showing fellowship. Because God wants you to fellowship. And if you got joy that's spilling over so much like he says in Luke 6. He says, giving it shall be given to you good measure. Press down, shaking together, shall men give to your bosom. You will overflow because you keep giving to your relationship. Well, she doesn't cook beans for me. Well, you learn how to cook your own beans. Well, she won't compliment me. Well, learn how to compliment her. Because my wife has helped me tremendously with complimenting. Because I wasn't that complimentary. Uh, just never thought about it. Just thinking about me. But she's helped me. I still got a ways to go. I know it. Because every now and then when I tell her, I love the way she dresses. And every now and then I may not say it because I see her all the time. And say, oh, you notice what, I, what I'm wearing? And say, oh, Lord, I got to make sure I say this. Because <laughs> old, old fella forgets. Verse 3. For I can testify that they have gave not only what they could afford, but far more. Listen to what he's saying now. In your marriage, when God looks into your marriage, come on, Jesus, can he see that you're giving far more than what God asked you? Because God says, as long as this earth remains, there is seed, time, and harvest. That's Genesis 8 and 22. If you plant good seed in the ground, in Genesis, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, it says, one plant, another water, but God grants the increase. So he's telling you, if you would put more into your fellowship with God and your fellowship with each other, that's putting good seed in your relationship. And yes, you're going to get far more than you thought you could. But oh my God, when God mentioned you in the Bible, you're in the right place, my dear friend. And they did it of their own free will. I freely want to do it. I did something for, um, I had some of the kids usher for the younger kids program. And I noticed one of the ones that wasn't picked. He wanted to do it, but he wasn't dressed properly. So I took him today, and I don't, I don't even, it wasn't that much. And, uh, I don't even think I spent uh, 40, 50 bucks to get him an outfit because he's still in that size where you can buy him stuff for a whole lot less. But he was thankful for it. And now he's going to be gleaning and keening. Y'all look on that website. You'll see him because we're going to be taking all pictures tomorrow. I'm going to have to put on a little something, something, so y'all won't be laughing at me. But he says, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford for the marriage. Talk to me. But far more. That's what you want to do in your marriage, right? You want to get the harvest, isn't that right? And they did it of their own free will. Lord, I want to be a blessing to my wife. Brother Hagen, I have studied. I'm one of his sons in the gospel. I've listened to his messages, countless messages, over and over and over. And I finally heard him say this. He says, I never asked God to make me, uh, uh, to bless me. 
I'll ask God to bless, to use me to bless other people. That's the most unselfish thing I've ever heard. So, Lord, I pray that these seeds that I'm sowing will sow a seed unselfishly to minister to the needs of others. This takes up my time just like everything else. I don't ask you to give. That's on you. Because I'm really trying to help marriages. Of course, we're a ministry. We take seeds. But I don't make that the focal point because I need you to hear. I need you to grow. And that's fine. Then you will send seeds. Because the greatest seed to me, because I my, my church family did an awesome job of celebrating uh, Pastor's Appreciation Month in October. Did an awesome job. They sold it to me in case they're listening. But I told him the greatest gift you could ever give me as a shepherd of a ministry is to walk in the fullness of God's truth, being led by the Spirit. That's the greatest gift I could ever have. Because everything else is going to fall in line. All the things that we're doing, it's going to fall in line. He says in verse 4, They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. I want to do more for my wife. And that's the way you should approach it. Don't worry about what she does for you. Lord, she wants (laughs) I think we've been married right about 25 years and she allegedly had her wedding ring stolen. And um, when I got the the, uh, reimbursement from the uh, insurance company, I had to, my budget had to extend. (laughs) Had to extend. I think it was 10 times more (laughs) what I paid for the first one at 25. So if you hear me hollering down here in Monroe, is if she lost, loses the second ring, and oh Lord, if I got to go a hundred times on that one, y'all had to pray for a brother. But God is able to do the exceeding abundantly above all. Verse five, 2 Corinthians chapter eight, New Living Translation, verse five, and they did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves. Listen to what he says was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Let me ask you this very important question. Have you given of yourself to your marriage the way God wants you to? Because then you're going to do more than your spouse was expecting. Then your spouse is going to say, well, look, I'm going to have to step up my game. I'm going to have to step up what I'm doing. Why? Because my spouse has done exceeding abundantly above all, so I'm going to step up my game. And see, what, and when it happens that way, you don't have to bribe, you don't have to uh, work on it, you just do what God told you to do and then exceed it. God, I'm not just going to wash one dish, I'm going to wash them every day. I'm not going to just mop and wax the kitchen floor. I'm going to mop and wax it every other day. I'm exaggerating on that. I can promise you that. But just as God wanted them to, verse 6. So we have urged Titus. We encourage your giving in the first place. 
to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. My dear friend, to start your ministry of giving is given to the Lord and given to your marriage. Ask God, what can I give to my marriage? Do I need to put in more listening? Do I need to put in more compliments? Do I need to put in more assistance? But you tell me, because I want that ministry of giving. I want to be able to give to my marriage. That's my fellowship. That's the way my wife and I communicate with each other. And look, because I want this God to say this about you and your marriage. Since you excel in so many ways, verse 7, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Start with God. Say, God, what you want me to give? Start with your spouse. Lord, whatever she wants, you show me how to believe God for it. And listen, and this would help me. I enjoy Mike Moore. Y'all need to listen to him. I listen to him on uh, the Word Network on uh, Saturday nights. You can catch his ministry on YouTube, Pastor Mike Moore. And he reminded me, everything God is extravagant. He don't do little things. He does big things. We got a big God. We got a tremendous guy. He drained the whole treasury of a whole country to pay back his his people. Then when they tried to come get the money back, he put up a ball of fire, stopped the Red Sea, and let them walk across. God is an extravagant God. So don't put the little on God. Think about the greatness. Because one idea from God will change your life. One word from God will elevate you. And put you in a position. And you know, and I understand, I've been there. And in some ways I'm having to deal with it now. Okay, God, I've done what I believe you told me to do. Where is where where's the beef? <laughs> As a commercial they had years ago, uh, uh one hamburger company was complaining about the size of the hamburger patty, and they had this uh elderly lady looking at where's the beef? <laughs> where's the beef? Lord, if I'm doing what you told me to do. Why am I having so many issues? Because you have an adversary who doesn't want you to do what God's calling you to do. And you got to remember, sometimes you got to keep pressing like the pearl so you can make a beautiful pearl in that shell, that agitation, because you're not going to give in. You're not going to give up. You're going to keep going and doing what God told you to do. Verse 8, I'm not commanding you to do this, But I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Wow. So I'm not not commanding you to do this, but it's still a test. Can God, I know we like, I know I love Ephesians 3 and 20. I read it several times a week and uh, read it from different translations, the exceeding, abundantly above all. But when God looks at you, Can he count on you to do the exceeding abundantly above all in your marriage? In your fellowship? Because my wife and I have been married a long time, so it's easy 
to get into, I don't want to do it because she ain't leaving, I ain't leaving. No, I'm going to have to make an effort. Talking to me. Because see if she listening to this and y'all going to have to help her, brother. But I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I pass the test of doing more for my wife than she's anticipating. And it's not always money. You got to be willing to give her that coin when you have to. But sometimes it's just the little things. And look at verse 9 as we're getting ready to bring it to a close. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is generous. He's generous. How you know? Because he forgave me. He had to be generous because I was a plum fool. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make us rich. So he's telling me, if I learn to do it just like my elder brother Jesus, if I commit to whatever I'm doing just like he did, I'm going to reap a harvest out of this world. So yes, I had to start, I'm going to have to start doing this and start doing that because I got to remember what he said and what he did. And in honor of what he promised us, he said to us, unto us a child is born and his name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor. And also, you hear this message coming Sunday, Savior. God in his love for humanity and his infinite wisdom and knowledge, he knew that when he created mankind, we were going to need a Savior. He knew it. He knew there's absolutely no way we can be holy, we can stay righteous, we can do always what is right unless we have a Savior. And he sent us a savior, his darling son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and remember what he said in John 3 and 7. Marvel not, you must be born again. Now for that to happen, as a prayer, I'm going to lead you in from Romans chapter 10, verse 9. So as your heads are bowed, close your eyes and think about Jesus. And remember what he said. That Jesus Christ was sent to this earth for you and for me. He suffered on the cross. He was beaten beyond human recognition. He died on the cross for you and for me. But on the third day, God raised him from the grave and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And now I have the honor and the privilege to invite Jesus Christ into my heart. Now, according to the word of God, I'm born again. Yay! I celebrate you for giving your life to the Lord. And those of you who just gave your life back to the Lord, we have a gift to you. You just gave your life to the Lord. You can inbox me on Facebook. You can email me at pastor at prevailingministries.com. Or you can call our prayer line, 
1-800-273-6399. Because we have a little gift for you. You just gave your life to the Lord and gave it back to the Lord. Now remember, God says in 1 John 1 and 9, that if you ask him, he'll forgive you from anything you've ever done against him. And then he tells us in Jeremiah, he says, I have placed pastors after his own heart. There are anointed appointed pastors like my dear brother, Dennis Stephen Hamilton, in different parts of the world, everywhere. There is somebody God can use to grow you up to be the man or woman of God he called you to do. But you're going to have to be willing to say, Lord, lead me to the ministry, the pastor, who can help me grow up to do what I need to do, that I might follow God all the days of my life. And once again, I wish you a gracious and a mighty Christmas, that all your dreams come true, everything that you were believing God for will show up, and you do it without going uh, having to borrow money. How about that? Praise the Lord. But, you know, one of the key things is fellowship with God, Fellowship with your wife, fellowship with your kids, and fellowship with your family, your church family, because God has a plan for you. So give a shout out to us. We love you much. We love you with the love of the Lord. We, we, we bid you nothing but the best. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good day, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day. Pastor Brown and Prevailing Faith Ministries want to thank you for tuning in and welcome you to email your questions, comments, and prayer requests to pastor at prevailingministries.com. Once again, this has been another episode of the Prevailing Faith Broadcast with your host, Pastor Charles E. Brown, who reminds you to walk by faith, not by sight. And God bless you. Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.